Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest in the world of PlayStation, whether it be new releases, new games, the hottest new rumors, and anecdotes about my dog because I have one of those coming up. But before we get there, I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. You have an anecdote coming up or a dog coming up? Because I need to prepare. I mean, I'd love if Loki would just come into the room on command at that point, but he's he's mm-hmm. a little too independent for that. Uh, it is a PlayStation-related dog anecdote. But uh, we're also joined this week by Matt Kim as well. Hello, hello. Happy to be back. Hello. Happy, happy to see you both. Uh, no, I did. It was a realization that my girlfriend and I had this morning that I just felt I had to share on a PlayStation podcast. Um, so our dog, when we're on our couch... Our dog loves to cuddle with us. Like, he does not like to be alone. He just has to be sitting with us. Uh, And what he's now learned to do is, when he hears the noise of the PS5 turning on, if he is in another room, he rushes in because he knows we are sitting on the couch (laughs) to cuddle with him. Like, it is now something he is Pavlovianly trained to do. I was about to say Pavlov's PlayStation. That's very funny. So he hears, <laughs> he hears the beep and runs in. That's amazing. Yeah. So like if he's in another room and he knows we're not in that room he'll and he doesn't hear anything, he will give it a couple minutes because he's like, maybe they haven't settled. Maybe they're not ready for me. I won't come in just yet. But if he hears that PS5, like he he will skitter across the wood floor and rush to us because he knows, oh, it's time for me to sit down for at least probably an hour. Mm-hmm. um so thank you playstation for training my dog to that know is, when it's when it's coming that is amazing special feature. um yeah it's it's a really great bonus uh feature of the latest ps5 firmware update that i appreciated them adding uh but before we get to any other playstation news uh for the ps5 uh, i do want to give a slight psa at the top of the show uh we've been covering uh earlier in this year of course the sort of uh, closure and then non-closure reversal of the uh, PS3, PS Vita, and PSP stores. Uh, that was obviously a big thing we talked about earlier this year. I think it was earlier this year. I don't know how time works. Um, <laughs> did you know Hitman 3 came out this year? Anyway, Resident Evil 8 was this year. I, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, I loved Village last year. Me too. Oh, yeah. 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 Last year, what? Monster Hunter Rise, the best game of 2019, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's why. Yeah. The, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight came out this year. Oh mm-hmm. my God. I would yeah, believe I mean, it's you crazy just to think it's, about time the way. And, it's, and we're getting the reboot already this year, too. It's, the Batman is coming it's out nuts. next week. It's nuts. The final episode of Seinfeld just aired. Like, things <laughs> are. But it's in the it's wrong format now on Netflix, and so you don't get half the jokes. Like you don't yeah. know he's in a courtroom. It's really not right. great. Uh, anyway, the we were getting this whole thing about the PlayStation stores closing. They didn't close. Uh, but for those who do, you know, have their PS3s, their Vita still, in it and are buying games on them, uh, it's going to become a little bit harder to do so. Uh, starting, I believe, October twenty seventh. I do have a copy of the email that was sent to uh, PlayStation user- users. Shout out to uh, Beyond listener Damon. Who not our coworker Damon, but Damon who who sent in uh, the the letter to me and mentioned how starting uh, the the letter states from PlayStation starting October twenty seventh, you can no longer use a credit or debit card or a payment method such as PayPal to buy uh, games or add funds to your wallet for PS three or PS Vita. So basically, you will need to get PlayStation Store like gift cards to then use those to put funds into your account for ps3 and vita to buy things on there why um, you know. i don't know <laughs> like, I, uh, but, but why uh because uh because the the vita store is still up right yeah it's just, yes yeah it's just now really inconvenient to use and so while they want you to 
five Vita games, they would also maybe suggest that, hey, maybe if you don't buy Vita games, that's that's on you. That's on uh, yeah. are, are they avoiding the credit card fees associated with like those purchases? Are they do they have to kick, you know, 15 cents to Citibank every time somebody buys Patapon? I don't get it i yeah like i have to assume brian it leans into that because the other like really i guess cynical thought is just that they really do want to stop having to support these stores and so they just make it harder but that's really awful and i hope not a true practice that anyone would engage in um and so the only thing i can think of genuinely is that it is hey we like keeping these stores running when it relates to uh, the various credit card companies and PayPal, like there are probably deals that have to be in place for it to re- register those stores and it's just not worth the money to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it will um, no longer be able to use the store that way. So you first must add sufficient funds to your wallet uh, and you can do so by uh, redeeming a PlayStation store gift card via your PS3 or PS Vita or by using a credit or debit card or PayPal on a desktop or mobile device. So you can basically still use your credit card, but you have to do it not with the consoles. And you have to okay. do it via a PS4, a console, or your your PC. So just know that like, starting October 27th, if you want to be still buying games on your Vita and PS3, which there's you know a lot of backward compatible stuff to buy, uh, you can't do it just via a credit card simply through those stores anymore. Uh, you do have to kind of go in a different route. Oh, there white it is. Vita. Matt's got the white Vita out, yeah, man. Nice. Yeah, Wait, hold on. The best one. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I didn't know. You know, there we go. okay, so first yeah. of all, if, if you're watching the video show right now, Matt and Jonathan both wore yellow shirts. I did not get the memo. <laughs> they also both have their Vitas within reach. I did not get the memo either. Mine's downstairs. I would love to hold up my white Vita and wear any. I don't even think I own a yellow shirt. I'd figure something out. Right, right. Here's no. my trusty PS3 oh. as well. How do you just, just hang it out? I don't, I don't have that. That's too much for me. I don't have that on hand. <laughs> Uh, I love beautiful my console that was, by the way. It's the, the Slim. <laughs> Slim's great. Um, Slim, yeah. Slim PS3 is such a beaut. Yeah. So I love my Vita. And when they announced earlier this year that they might be winding down the, the shop for it, I did this thing where I'm like, I got to make a list. I got to buy all these games that I got I to gotta get before they, they close down for good. Right. Uh, and then they're like, oh, we're not closing down the store. I'm like, oh, that's good. And then now they're like, eh, at the end of the month, uh, we're going to make it really difficult for you to buy a game on the Vita store anyway. So I'm like, now I got to get my list again and I got to buy all these games <laughs> to purchase with my credit card before they make, they force me to buy what, like $60 worth of PlayStation point cards at a, at a Safeway. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> things end, right? Things, yeah. stores close, like this stuff happens. Um, we saw that mad dash with the, with the Nintendo Wii and the Wii U a couple of years ago. And I'm, I think the 3DS one is coming up as well. And it's just, it's a bummer how something goes from being immensely popular uh, or in the Vita's case, um, you know, big with a small group. Beloved. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Beloved, cherished, um, criminally ignored, I would argue, uh, by everyone, out, not you out there. You're, if you're listening, you're probably, you probably helped, but the rest of you really dropped the ball on the video. <laughs> I'm um, but this, it, it's such a bummer to see it sort of like end with a fart like this, you know, like I, and we've said this before, we don't have to dwell on this again, but I really wish there was a way to future-proof these purchases, to bring uh, these games to modern platforms so people can play them. I'll, that's that's my soapbox. I'll just say it again. Nope, Very totally, easy thing to say. Yeah. That's yeah. that's all. Totally there with you. And I think, as we've said on the show before, the, the real big 
frustration for me as a PlayStation fan is like there is so much between the generation of the Vita and the PS3 that is just stuck there. And I just wish there was a way to bring it forward, even of stuff like if you were a big Ratchet and Clank fan and you wanted to go back to the old games, there's, you know, a couple that you can get on PS4 via like PS Now and, and things of that nature. And obviously the 2016 game, but the Ratchet and Clank collection and, you know, so much more of the, the future series is is mostly stuck to the PS3 unless you do a Now subscription and things like that. And so it's it's just a bummer that there is not a better future proofed way for all this stuff. But as you were saying, it's been the same problem, unfortunately, with Nintendo this generation as well with something I, I think the very obvious thing that's been coming up this week and, and Matt, I know you were even like slacking a little bit to Sam about it. Uh, so sorry to blow your spot up like that. But with Metroid, you mm. like here is the next 2D Metroid. Shame you can't play any of those old 2D Metroids <laughs> in an easy way on Nintendo Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a, a thing that, you know, Xbox has definitely been getting right this generation. I wish and hope we can see a little bit more from PlayStation, but those stores are still available for now. Uh, and, and so if you are worried and you want it to be the easiest way possible to get the games that you still haven't purchased on your your wish list for PS3 and Vita, go, go do that as soon as possible. Um, anyway, w- with that said, let's get into the rest of the, the news for this week, uh, starting with a, a little bit of an interesting thing that PS5 games are sort of being tested for, but it's not worldwide. Um, I love demos to to start off. I think demos are so cool. Uh, Bioshock is one of my favorite games of all time. I don't know if I would have loved it so much had I not just downloaded the demo on a whim and been like, oh, this game is incredible. I need to buy it. Amazing demo. Um, Demos are so, so cool. And PlayStation seems to be trying something that I kind of appreciate and hope we see wider there, though there are some kinks to still work out with it. Uh, But Sony has apparently begun testing free PS5 game trials. So uh, Eurogamer originally spotted this as it's something that seems to be just going on in the UK, as far as we know. Uh, But this feature appears to only be working in the UK on just Death Stranding Director's Cut and Sackboy A Big Adventure. Uh, But essentially you can, as if you're watching the video version, you'll see there is like a free trial option to add the game to your library. uh, And then you get a specific amount of hours to play it so you with death stranding you get six hours of free gameplay and sackboy you get five hours of of free gameplay which is far more than i think most demos would ever give you right Um, yeah that's not bad does does your progress carry over uh i believe it does because i believe it's creating a a sort of a a save state for you um great so this would allow you essentially to be like hey i really love the first four or five hours of this game i don't want to stop I'm gonna gonna download the full thing now, and I I think that's a very very smart and clever way to get people into some of these games, especially big ones like Death Stranding, where you might not know what the hell it is. Um, that said, the actual amount of time that players will end up spending the game is likely to be considerably lower because, uh, in a strange decision, the trial period for each game has been set to trigger from the moment that you select download trial on your console or add to library from the web, as opposed to when you actually start playing the game. So if you have a slow internet download speed, uh, if you're you know downloading multiple things and it's taking a while, that could eat up literally a third of the time if it takes you know two hours to download a a, a massive game. Um, so you know something like I think it's sixty eight gigs for Death Stranding. That is no small amount to download, especially for people who don't have you know gigabit internet, which isn't widespread. Uh, right, you know, right. High speed yeah. internet is still a problem for a lot of people, not just in the U.S. but worldwide. Uh, and so you could eat into a lot of the free trial time, you know, just by downloading it, which is a you could, weird. You could eat into all of it for some people, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, a lot of people I do know, you know, or download games overnight to be able to mm-hmm. play it the next day. And so, yeah, this could be a thing where you download it. Sorry, you don't have any time left. Um, There's also scenarios where like I do have a gigabit uh, Internet at home and it's and it's it's awesome when you can hardwire directly into a router, which like I can't do with my TV downstairs. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I just don't really have an option of like if if the Internet starts hiccuping downstairs because the Wi-Fi feels like being stupid, then that's just a problem I have to deal with. And, and I imagine for a lot of people, if their consoles aren't directly connected into their their you know, their, their internet, then they're just hoping for the best. Like that's, that totally sucks. Like I, I, I was about to be like, I really love this because this is <laughs> conceptually fantastic. Um, and a game like death stranding, frankly, and personally, I would have played five hours and been like, not for me, but thanks for right. the offer. <laughs> Whereas, um, I, th- I think, uh, the, you know, little big planet sack game, I would have played five hours and been like, this is awesome. And a sleeper hit. And I was not expecting this and I'm buying this. Whereas something like, you know, Kana, I think that you can get through, you could get through half the, the story in, 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 in that like, time. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, Brian, to your point, and I, I wanted to hear from both of you on this. I, I feel very much the same way. I think conceptually, this is awesome. And I mm-hmm. hope they keep doing this because, like you said, it is such a user friendly experience to be like, I'm not sure if I'm willing to spend $70 sometimes now on PS5 games getting to play and it doesn't have to be like i i obviously think they should get rid of this weird thing where it the timer triggers when you hit download it should start when you open the game but even if you only got like two hours to play that still gives you a pretty good idea of what you're putting all that money into and i think it's so awesome but yeah they're very fairly clearly feels like there's kinks that need to be worked out of this system Mm -hmm. Um, you meant you mentioned like the bioshock demo some of my favorite demos of all time are the kind of demos you can beat in 20 30 minutes and they convince you immediately tonally uh what the game is trying to do gameplay wise what the game is trying to do um like i've talked about the resident evil 4 demo a bunch like that immediately sold me i was like you know this is interesting franchise for a while it's got these funny tank controls and i I love it like conceptually as a horror fan this this is great and then the resident evil 4 demo came out and i replayed it like a hundred times because i loved it so much and the same thing with bioshock fight night when that demo dropped um like the like I just I think especially at the start of a console generation, like it's such a cool thing to be like, oh, here's this, you know, sort of sampler platter of different things I can try out before I dive in. But I, I, I don't need it to be five hours. Two hours is great, but if those two hours are gone <laughs> watching, <laughs> you know, a Wi-Fi signal pinwheel or like a, a meter fill up, then screw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating element of it that obviously this is, you know, still in a trial period if it's just in the UK. So I th- I hope it's something that they adjust if, if they expand it more widely. And I, I do hope they do. But Matt, I want to hear from you just in terms of w- what you thought of, of this edition, because the at least for me, like seeing these sort of PS5 updates kind of trickle out of nowhere, it mm-hmm. is interesting to see their approach to something that I think had fans known this was happening or it'd be a, a wider, you know, service that was being included, people would be really happy. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think of, of the service as a whole and, and what could be, you know, tweaked or kept the same for it. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you, right. I, I want to believe that uh, because this obviously looks like a trial because it's only in one country, right? Like they're going to get numbers back and they're like, Whoa, a lot of people who tried out the demo stuff only actually played like an hour of it because they spent five hours downloading, you know, a game like, uh, like that strand. Right. And at the same time, I, you know, I'm of two minds. Uh, I like demos too. Uh, I like intentional demos. You know, I like, I like, demos that are like this is the this is a an intentional slice that we're going to give people to sort of like encapsulate uh what we want people to experience or like get a sense of because like 
you play the first six, let's say you let's say you get an instant download of Death Stranding, right? Just hypothetically, you get like 30 minutes downloaded for that game. That game opens with like an hour or two of cutscenes, right? <laughs> like you're not yeah. even getting six hours of gameplay. You're probably getting like two hours, and then the rest is like a movie. And by the way, I love Death Stranding. I'm I'm uh, I'm one of the Death Stranding apologists here, but like I think it might be better if you do actually just get like an intentional hour slice of Death Stranding that's more purposeful than just the beginning of the game. Because having played the beginning of that game, I know that. I wasn't really invested into Death Stranding until I hit like hour 10, right? Like the first six hours were, were kind of difficult. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But I like the idea. I like, I like um, and you know, this is one case, right? Death Stranding yeah, is just totally. one game where the demo format might be weird for. But yeah, I think, it, I think it's a great idea. I hope they, I hope they fix the, uh, the start timer for it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, by the way, uh, like it is cool. I think the fact that the PS they're taking like an iterative approach to like PS5 features is neat because you just don't know what's going to happen next. Right. Mm. They could have yeah. a, a Pavlovian dog feature in the next update <laughs> real and uh, you'll never know. Exactly. Yeah. I, it'll just be built in for me. I, I won't see it as mm -hmm. a big deal. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally there with you. I do think when possible, bespoke demos are always more interesting. And I agree. I agree with you on Death Stranding in particular. I think it's like the, my favorite section of that game is when you're building the roads and, and uh, you know, expanding the network in that way. But you don't do that, as you said, for at least the first like 10 ish hours. It, it's much simpler. So a, a game like that, I think, could benefit from more bespoke demo. But something like Sackboy, I think, you know, to Brian's point, you jump into that. You kind of know what Sackboy is the second you start playing it. And I think right. Uh, it just gives you a better feel for the controls, mm -hmm. the the art style and things like that. And man, I like I, I know it's not something that every game will want to do, especially to your point, Brian, of like Kena, you could beat half the game and then you get into that weird, you know, the the steam refund thing where you can refund a game before two hours of gameplay. So can I beat this game in two hours? Because then right. I'll refund it. And that's a horrible thing. We had that um, with the dev recently, right? Where his game was two hours long and everyone finished it and refunded. And there's really there's no you know, there's no workaround for a system like that if you make a short game. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't think the game trial, uh, if it expands, and I hope it does, should be applied to necessarily every game because it's just not fair to a lot of shorter games. But I do think, especially for these bigger games, especially ones that are maybe harder sells, giving people, and again, it doesn't have to be five or six hours, but even like two or three, is such an incredible benefit. Um, yeah. And honestly, it's something they could probably say is a PS Plus benefit, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. For sure. Put that in there, and I'd be I'm, happy. I'm, I mentioned Resident Evil Eight before. I'll I'll say that like uh, I mean I was I was in on that game no matter what. But the the demos were something that immediately made me go, okay, I really like tonally where this is going. But I, I hate that they timed them. Mm -hmm. I hated that so much. Not only were they timed, but I believe you could only play them like in specific. There were like specific weekends or something yep. like that. Yep. Yeah, specific um, windows and like time periods within those weekends. Yeah, and I mean that is like. Like you got to wake up early and, and play this horror game with a gun to your head is antithetical to the way I experience that genre. Like that's one I like to, I like to like creep around slowly and tiptoe and collect everything in a game like that. And like having, yeah, having to rush through a demo to make sure I hit the end of it, which, you know, to be fair, they were fairly generous with how you could do that. I saw some players couldn't reach the end and that's fine. But, um, that I wasn't a fan of that despite loving the demo and ended up loving the game. So I think that like, I'm glad that demos are are still here. Uh, you know, for the longest time, it was 
you could download them or you could get a, a, a disc in PlayStation Magazine and there'd be a bunch on there or you'd get a demo disc and, you know, as a pre-order bonus or something like that. I love stuff like that. I hope demos never go away. I understand why they're a pain in the ass for companies to develop a vertical slice of something that has to function on its own, virtually problem-free, uh, outside of a game that they're already developing. So I think it is smart to go, hey, the game's finished already. You can just play the first few hours of it or something like that. So I, yeah, I hope I hope that we figure out a good push and pull here because I, I want demos to stick around forever in some form. Totally. Yeah, there's there's no one size fits all for that. And so I think both methods are, are totally viable Like to Matt's point. Like, I totally love a bespoke demo. But if, if a, you know, developer didn't uh, plan for that in in their scope and, and production pipeline, it could be then a massive cost. And so a game trial like this lets them have another outlet to do that. But if they did plan for it, we could get something really, really cool in that way. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. And I, I don't think it will be perfect for every game. But it's really cool to see, and and PlayStation, please keep trying to make it work and 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 be an interesting use of the service because I do think it is an awesome addition for for PS5 players. For sure. Uh, moving on from there, did want to talk about uh, what I've dubbed in our run of show the worst kept secret in gaming at the moment, uh, the GTA trilogy that continues and continues to leak. Um, I feel like this is just one of the funniest leak stories I've seen in a while. Um, Matt, I know the, the news team has been covering it a lot, um, so I don't know if you want to discuss any of the finer points of it, but uh, obviously there have been rumors for a while that there was a GTA like classic mm -hmm. trilogy coming. We've seen logos, uh, achievement images, like database entries from Rockstar in their launcher on things. Am, am Ta I missing Taiwanese anything? ratings board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of them. Um, I'd love to take credit. I'd love to be like, yeah, we 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 followed the clues and uncovered this, but it's they just put it out there. <laughs> it's like, it's in Rockstar we, themselves. Yeah. yeah, we just logged into the internet and like, oh, there it is. Uh, I guess it's happening. And then like every subsequent week is just more evidence that this is a real thing. And it's just, you know, uh, at this point, I'm willing. I, I'm willing to eat a hat if it, if it doesn't exist, but it so clearly does. Obviously, because you said there's just references to it like within the data of the rockstar launcher uh the logo and the achievements leaked today and you can just look at all of them um the ratings board thing is the rating ratings board stuff is not a hundred percent all the time but it's pretty damn close and i believe it was rated by multiple countries at this point so right. yeah uh yeah this was just no real effort on our part. We just uh, woke up one day and it was there. <laughs> the massive digging that the team has been yeah. for months. I'm, this this uh, was our spotlight, our Watergate. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping I love that, the idea um, of, a, of a movie adaptation mm -hmm. of like somehow you guys have been working on a story for months and then Rockstar's like, oh, we should just put it in the laundry. Yeah, <laughs> right, no, right. Now, I'm hoping this follows the trajectory of the recent Castlevania Advanced Collection, which went from, um, I hope this is a thing, to, oh, it sounds like this might be a thing, to, oh, I'm playing it. You know, like, I, <laughs> that went from, we, it got rated, and a week later, you could purchase it for 20 bucks, and, and I did immediately. Um, and, and that's that's awesome. I think that's what uh, should happen here. I also think that, like, this is, this is kind of a very... Good, I mean, there's there's no good time to launch these games because we're inundated with video games right now and always are forever for some odd reason. Now, that's just the way it works. <laughs> you know, Christmas is all year now. But um, the recent uh, GTA 5 trailer on PS5 is the most downvoted PS5 trailer ever. People are 
utterly fatigued by that game, despite the fact that it still makes literally billions of dollars every second. Um, my numbers could be a little off there, but it's immensely successful. People just want GTA six, but I think this is a good sort of like stopgap make, make good is to kind of do a victory lap. Um, that said it is, uh, and we screw, I screwed this up yesterday with the uh, host the daily fix on this story. Um, in our headline, we said it was a, a remake from what we know. It's not, it's a remaster, right? So don't expect a full on, you know, demon soul style blue point thing happening here. Uh, but that said, like, you know, having this this game run natively on, you know, uh, next gen consoles and looking really clean at 60 FPS, HDR maybe thrown in. Cool. Great. Um, it is also true that uh, the Rockstar's sort of been systematically pulling down a lot of the fan mods for this game that have been created over the years. All the HD remakes of, of the GTA games and um, texture packs and stuff like that, which sucks to see. But it also, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I'm down to play these games again, especially Vice City, because I think that that's like one of the best open world games ever made. It's super fun. And I just hope this becomes real. I just hope they put it out because we're rapidly approaching like this week alone is like Far Cry, Metroid, Dread, the Switch OLED, like Nickelodeon, All Star Fighting Boys or whatever the game is called. Like, it's just it's <laughs> nonstop now, title. man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. we're. We're we're in nonstop mode, and the idea of like three obviously remastered uh, older open world games, but three quite lengthy open world games thrown into the mix. As you said, there's no good time for that, but right. probably before 2022, when it seems <laughs> everything is being released, is a is a better time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'll make time for this now. Not not you know Elden Ring time. When Elden Ring comes out, right. it's like, dude, get out of here, GTA trilogy remastered. Yeah, God, just thinking of next year is like scary and exciting oh, in, in all the, the best and worst ways. But uh, yeah, I did kind of want to ask both of you because, um, as I've said on on the show before, uh, having grown up in a good Catholic household, I was not allowed <laughs> to play most of the older GTAs, and so I've never played three Vice City or San Andreas. And so I guess Matt, I don't know your history with them, so if no, you haven't I'm- played them. I'm with you. I okay. also never played the original games. GTA 4 was my very first Same. GTA game, and that wasn't even mine. Like, I borrowed a friend's copy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited. I've heard so many good things about Vice City for so long that I'm really excited to try it out uh, at long, long last. Mm, yeah, but, me too. And so, Brian, I kind of wanted to hear from you of just, like, where you think is a good starting point for, for people who do want to see these, but... I mean, assuming this 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 trilogy is is priced um, at a at something that doesn't feel like a total screw job to the audience, uh, then I think start with GTA three and just jump in and go, hey, what like this is this is one of the most definitive open world games ever made, even from just like a historical standpoint. What's it like to experience this game now? How much did uh, this influence the sort of modern open world crime driven game? Um, and then from there, you can kind of hop around. I, like, I, like I said, I really, really love Vice City. I think that that has one of the most sort of like coolest color palettes and tones of any open world game. It's, um, it, it strikes a really good balance of being like fun, but also having some tonally serious stuff in it, uh, without getting bogged down in the sort of sepia tone filter that I think, um, got into GTA four specifically side note, GTA four seems to be this like redheaded stepchild for them like that that's just not it just doesn't come like so i feel like they've, yeah yeah i i don't know why and it made a billion dollars too again mm-hmm. numbers could be a little off there but <laughs> like it's hugely successful game got some great dlc packs and it just doesn't it doesn't get talked about by that like so much focus is on five and now we're talking about the trilogy again um but 
Yeah, Vice City's awesome. Uh, you know, it's got this awesome sort of like pseudo Florida, like eighties. You know, uh, just greasy Scarface, like cocaine, <laughs> uh, like a, a Tommy Bahama Italian crap going on. It's just so much fun. Um, and it's like I think that these games hold up. Like, there's my big concern with these games, honestly, uh, and the, the sort of quality of life stuff I want is that one of the biggest issues playing them back in the day which i guess we didn't notice at the time was that the mission structure uh specifically for when you die is a massive pain in the ass mm -hmm. like that it's not only like a part of their design philosophy to make you replay everything that you lost but also make you replay a lot of the sections where you are driving to the mission to start the mm -hmm. mission this was later rectified in you know um subsequent gta games but early on this was a problem and it's one of the things that keeps me from wanting to revisit these games and so I hope that stuff like that gets tweaked. I hope there's little things under the hood that become a little easier. Um, there's also like, it takes a little while for some of these games to get going. And I think a lot of people just want to jump in and start causing chaos. So I hope that that's the kind of stuff that they fix too. But I mean, the idea of being able to play these games on next-gen consoles or PCs, or I, even Switch was part of the rumors, is super cool. And I think that, um, you know, just for people that have played GTA games in the past, like they're really fun to revisit. I don't think you need to finish them if you don't feel like you have the time to, but like packaging all three of these games, I don't really see them. I don't really want them to charge more than 30, $40 for all three of them. Who knows? Um, maybe <laughs> yeah. there's a bunch of new, you know, sort of bells and whistles that they can justify the 60 buck, 70 buck price range for, but these games have been dirt cheap on legacy consoles for ages now. And PC ports have been dirt cheap. Um, so I really hope this isn't like a big ripoff thing, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. It, it it's interesting not to know the, the scope of it. And I guess just before we, we wrap up and move on, that was sort of my big question is like, uh, it's very funny just how obviously this is a thing that is being made. Uh, and yet Rockstar has not said a thing. And my, my only thought is that they are waiting for a similar to, to Castlevania. Uh, here it is, and it's out now for right. the anniversary, which is, I think, coming up later this month uh, mm -hmm. of GTA 3. So, like, I assume that is the reason we are not getting acknowledgement. But, but before we move on, do, like, do either of you have any other theories about why it just seems to be this, hey, it keeps leaking, but we're just not going not gonna to yeah. reference it? At this rate, we're gonna get we're just gonna get a price leak if we don't get an official word right. on that. The price is just gonna come out hidden in some uh Twitter ad for that wasn't supposed to go live or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean they're a, a notoriously secretive, heavily guarded company that uh doesn't let a lot of secrets out, which is uncharacteristic that these leaks are even happening to begin with. But I went on like a I, went, I visited their offices uh, when I was in town in New York for Comic-Con a couple years ago. I got invited over and they were like, oh, we'll give you an office tour. And this was before Red Dead was officially unveiled. So I got there. I got out of the elevator. I saw the Rockstar logo and they were like, well, that's all we could show you. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like, all right, cool. So I, I, I get it, you know, but I just yeah, I hope I hope that these games get a good price and I hope they get a release date soon ish. Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, this fall would be the good time to release, especially uh, with the uh, always amusing fact to me of GTA 5 being delayed uh, is just one of <laughs> the funniest things to be able to say in 2021. So with GTA mm -hmm. 5 delayed, hopefully uh, these games come out this fall because, I, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I really would like to spend some time with them. And this sort of holiday season feels like the right time before, as you said, Elden Ring and Horizon and God of War, 
and Gotham Knights and 13 other massive open world <laughs> games come out. Uh, it would, would not hurt to be able to jump into these now. Yep. Um, with that said, uh, I want to move on to just a couple other pieces of news before we jump into what we're playing. Uh, briefly want to mention for those who uh, do subscribe or for those who are interested in the service and, and keep sort of a watchful eye on it. Uh, the October games for PlayStation Now uh, include actually The Last of Us Part 2, Fallout 76, Desperados 3, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, uh, and, and a few other games are joining the lineup. They joined yesterday, so they are currently available in PlayStation Now. I had to move to see the date on my computer screen. Um, so those will be there, like with other big sort of PlayStation first-party games in PS Now. Uh, the Last of Us will leave the service on January 3rd, so if you're a subscriber, you kind of know how much time you have to spend with that game. Luckily, it is not a 300-hour open-world game, so you should be able to beat it by then. Um, Brian, just to quickly throw to you, uh, I think it's really cool that we continue to see these headliners for PS Now of like really major, especially recent, PlayStation uh, 4 exclusives. I just, I, it feels like there's something missing to this service. Like, it just feels like they are not capitalizing on what could be such a bigger deal. Yeah, this is a, like, it's an amazing restaurant with terrible signage, you know, and like the store, the storefront's just beat up and miserable and old. And you're like, what's going on in there? And it's like, oh, really great food. But like, <laughs> it's kind of a bummer to me that this is, um, like, first of all, I'll say that it's awesome that these games are coming to PS now. And if you're a subscriber to that service, that's a tremendous value add and being able to play a big ass triple a first party game like the last of us two um is huge uh, you know i'm not crazy about the sort of like limited time limit that you have to do that but like you said jonathan like you know that's plenty of time to play that game uh that said and we've said this in the past i wish there was a a, a, a playstation plus tier that just bundled this in i would gladly i would i would gladly pay the extra money to make this one sort of concurrent annual payment that says, here's your PS now games of the month. Here's your PS plus games of the month. You have online access and you get access to discounts in the store. That's your service. That's your tier done. You know, like I, I personally don't really understand why these, these services feel like completely different divisions under the same company on the same consoles. It's like perpetually bizarre to me. I, I also, PS Now got like a sort of a soft relaunch in 2019, I believe. Yeah, um, I believe that. And most of you don't know that because why would you? <laughs> because like that's not that's not really been a thing that they're that they've really pushed front and center. It, it's odd, right? Like it just mm -hmm. feels like this service that they own that they're that they're proud of that they are nurturing in some capacity, but the average user isn't talking about it or using it and this is anecdotal i don't have exact data on how many uh, playstation now subscribers there are versus ps plus but i can shot in the dark guess that ps plus is significantly more popular with users and that's a problem not a problem that ps plus is popular but it's a problem that they have the service that that is being ignored and you know i i don't think it's my job or any of our jobs particularly to get on shows like this and be like be a subscriber like it's on sony to go <laughs> This is what this 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 adds to the value, and this is how we can roll this into something you're already paying for. You know, mm -hmm. like it seems pretty simple. You know, Xbox has a Game Pass Ultimate thing. Um, they have different gold and stuff like that. Different tiers. It gets a little wonky over there, right? Nintendo's now um, about to announce the pricing for whatever their N64 uh, structure tier of Nintendo Online is going the to be. The Switch Online Expansion Pack. The Expansion <laughs> Pack, right? That old tongue-in-cheek joke. Um, based on a like a little red cube thing that you stuck <laughs> inside your system decades yeah. ago so yeah there's 
there's something here. There's a cool, there's multiple cool services here that should be uh, jammed together and make something enticing for, for people like us to, to subscribe all at once. Simple as that. Yeah, totally. Uh, for reference, uh, just since you were mentioning, uh, as of March 31st, there were 3.2 million PlayStation Now subscribers. That's uh, abysmal. And as of June 2021, there were 46.3 million PlayStation Plus subscribers. Yeah, dude, so, that's, that's, that's absolutely abysmal. Like, I'm sorry. That's, there was, what, how many, how many PlayStations are currently being used between PS4 and PS5? And yeah. Only three-something million? That's abysmal. Yeah. You know? And there's... So it feels like if you told people this was a thing more, or as you said, bundled into PS Plus, it would be such an easier buy, I think, for a lot of mm -hmm. people. Um, Matt, I'm curious on, on your take on it too, because I don't think we've had you on when we've discussed PS Now and like what's going on there. But you know, obviously, yeah. seeing the back and forth between this and, and Game Pass, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. As well. I mean, uh, I'm sure what I'm going to say is not something that hasn't been discussed on this show before. You know, uh, my it's. I think it's weird, right? Because it's not even like this like crazy out there concept, right? Uh, you, these kind of services have now are popular on Xbox, you know? So it's not like uh, there's a big heavy lift to right. try and like explain this to people because you can really just be like, this is our version of that. And I think people will be like, oh yeah, I get that, you know? So uh, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird that, uh, and like they were ahead of the time. For, for so long like playstation now vita came out way ahead of its competitors i mean oh, the yeah. tech was rough at launch from what i've heard but like yeah. it was neat and interesting and they they bought an entire like cloud service company to to do it so it it sucks to get a head start on something and maybe just be a little too early with it or or, or some sort of concept like that but i you know yeah, no one, obviously you said it, like 3 million people is is nothing in terms of the mm -hmm. PlayStation user base. And so nobody is using this thing essentially. And so that's just. It's weird. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, <clears throat> I think you could have probably put in with every PS5. Here's, you know, six months to PS yeah. now to play some of our older games. Uh, and you probably get at least a, a couple people to keep that going. Uh, even mm -hmm. if it's just forgetting to cancel their subscription on their credit card. But um, yeah, it, it's a service that I think all of us here and Brian, I know we've talked about before. We don't personally subscribe to, uh, you know, I've, I've dipped into it here and there, but I, I don't keep a subscription to it. But if it were a consistent part of, I think the wider offering, I, I would care about it more. Um, right. And yeah, as you said, it feeling like it is a separate division just makes it feel less important. And I think there is a, a future where it can and should be part of PS Plus and just a another part of that offering, um, like maybe free trials, like some other stuff. But again, I just until it is, it's this weird sort of thing in the corner that could be a great opportunity, but just doesn't always seem to be taken advantage of. Yeah, and I mean, it's worth. I think it's worth pointing out that you know Xbox Game Pass has what just under 19 million subscribers globally, and that's not you know the most amazing numbers in the world, especially if you look at the PS plus uh, numbers you just said, right. But the difference is I feel like Microsoft is just constantly yelling about it and constantly mm -hmm. adding new games to it and making a big thing about it. Whereas it does sort of feel like, I mean, there was that Sean Layden quote the other day about their um, PlayStation games coming to PC. Um, and he talked about how like they deemed the, those first party games coming to PC as an opportunity to reach an audience they hadn't reached once those games had already sort of hit market saturation on consoles. And I do wonder if they look at 
PlayStation now almost as a competitor to themselves because they can make 70 bucks off of a first party game or 60 bucks off of a first party game like The Last of Us, or they can drop it for free on there or, you know, for a subscription fee for a couple bucks a month. And that does take away from the big picture of them, you know, dominating sales charts. And I think that's just a, a different philosophy than than Microsoft has right now, for better or worse. It seems to be working well for Sony. They are still the market leader and they're making a ton of money. So I do wonder if like that's part of it, if they're just yeah. sort of like, we're doing this, but we don't want to make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like you said, Jonathan, it, it is a great place to find older games. And so I wish I wish they marketed that aspect of it, especially while they're simultaneously being like, hey, it's it's we're making it really difficult to buy old games now. Yeah, I'm very much like I understand why they are aren't and probably won't for some time, if ever put day and date releases on a thing like PS Now. And I I don't expect them to for for their first party games. And and that's fine. Um, Like the the strategy is working for them. And and while it continues to work, I don't expect that change. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much in the favor of like PS Now seems like a great way to showcase the wider library of of why you want to care about PlayStation, not just this generation, but older. And it is that thing of like, oh, I really loved The Last of Us Part Two, and maybe you, you bought it, maybe you played it through PS Now. I want to see what else they've worked on. Oh, I never played Uncharted because I just bought a PS5 and didn't have a PS3 or PS4. Let me go play them on PS Now. Like Opportunities like that feel like what PS Now could be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, totally and it just... I, I wish it was a bigger thing, but for now, uh, a cool month of offerings for people, uh, especially if you didn't pick up The Last of Us Part Two at launch last year. Uh, and it actually does take advantage of the PS5 patch for uh, 60 frames per second. Oh. So if you are awesome. playing on PS5 via PS Now, you, you can get that. And that's really cool because they haven't yet introduced PS5 games to PS Now. So that's a, a neat little bonus. Uh, anyway, moving on from there, the, the last news thing I did want to focus on was just another sort of long gestating rumor that came to a head with a a bit more uh, of a wider scope of what may be going on. uh, And that is what's going on with Konami these days. Uh, uh, Obviously, Brian, we were talking last week about Castlevania Advanced Collection, which we we both love those games and and love that series. Uh, Now, a a wider report from VGC and and a few other places uh, seems to confirm and and double down on rumors that they are focusing not just on Silent Hill, which has been a long gestating rumor, but Silent Hill, Metal Gear, and Castlevania are all in various stages of some production. Um, so the, just to kind of run quickly through them, uh, VGC reported that Konami is refocusing on developing games within Best Love series. Uh, one of those first games will be a reimagining of Castlevania being developed primarily by internal studios. Uh, they are also planning remasters of the original Metal Gear Solid games for new consoles, as well as a potential full remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Um, Eurogamer also reported uh, Konami had considered an MGS3 remake for some time, uh, and then early scrapped version apparently even used the Fox engine from MGS5. Uh, anyway, and then moving on from there, of course, is the sort of reaffirming, redoubling down of things that we've heard for some time that multiple Silent Hill games are in development, uh, with one at a prominent Japanese developer, um, and of course the continued rumors and speculation that Bloober Team may be working on a Silent Hill game as well. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, I do want to start with you just, uh, and, and Brian, I do want to get to you of course, but Matt, um, from your side, w- which of these would you be potentially most interested in? Like, which of these series do you, do you have a, a vested interest in? And, and what are just your general thoughts about, you know, where Konami's at right now? 
boy, that is a loaded question. Exactly. That's what <laughs> uh, I to do. You know, uh, okay, okay. For the longest time, it was obviously Silent Hill. I love horror games. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm filling in for Lucy here. I love horror games and I love Silent Hill. But I uh, have, uh, you know, I've been saying it for so long that I'm, I've sort of just cooled on it myself even like at this point i just just show it to me right like at this point i'm no longer like anticipating or thinking about uh what a new sound hill would look like i'm just like whatever you got working on i'll see it and then i'll, I'll finally make a judgment from there so for, honestly for now it's probably the mgs3 full-on remake uh like that is a game that is that still holds up but i i mean you know even if they're not using fox engine like can you imagine just current gen assets and visuals for mgs3 like that would be that would be sick as hell uh and i'm so excited for that uh, i've never been really a big castlevania guy so i but i've, I've played enough and I've, I've enjoyed what i played but i'm not like a castlevania fan so i'm i'm interested to see what they look i did play that one remake that kojima reimagining the lords of shadows oh uh, yeah yeah it was awful i hated it and i was like <laughs> this sucks so uh whatever whatever new castlevania they make i hope it's sort of like what they're doing with metroid you know like they're doing metroid dread which is this like modern take on the old 2d formula right. so i think that'd be a really good way to tackle that franchise and not turn it into something that it's not because i want to reiterate lords of shadows sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Castlevania had a weird sort of come down period from man that awesome just run of GBA and DS uh mm -hmm. releases just back to back to back kind of really awesome bangers like even the worst of them was still very good. Uh mm -hmm. and so it was really great to see and now we're in this weird place of like I don't know what Castlevania is to Konami. Um and and Brian I do want to hear your thoughts on it cuz like they have been focusing on these these uh, remastered collections of, of the older games not just the gba ones but a few previously so like they know people love these older games right. so how how much are they going to reimagine it like what what would you want to see from a, a modern castlevania I, I love what matt just said about um the metroid dread approach i think that that's the way to do it and there are similar franchises interestingly uh metroid and, and castlevania because they started off as 2ds they they've been um somehow you know joined together in in a genre term forever whether they like it or not um and they they also had weird experiments in 3d some of which were successful some of which weren't lords of shadows was kind of a slog and um kind of a bummer and not really what i wanted i i think that there are people who really like the old school sort of hack and slash uh sort of straightforward castlevania games that are 2d um, you know, stuff like Dracula X and Super Castlevania. And then there's people that love the sort of Metroidvania, Castlevania stuff that's, you know, you can you get an item and you come back and break a door that you couldn't kick down earlier, you know? I, I love that stuff. I'm really happy that they uh, put, they're, they're putting some of the legacy games on modern platforms so people can appreciate them. This, all of this feels like an HD remaster of rumors that we've discussed on the show before, honestly. <laughs> like, I feel, I, I'm, I'm with Matt as well. I just want this stuff to start materializing. I want to just know what it is. Um, it's, they're in a tough spot. I, I read something the other day that they were sort of like asking indie devs to uh, come up with pitches for games and whoever won would get uh, 18,000 US dollars. That sucks. <laughs> I'm going to just call, I'm going to straight up say that sucks as much as it sucks when an influencer goes on Twitter and goes, Hey, 50 bucks to whoever makes me the best logo. Like that right. sucks. Do not, do not gamify contests out of mm. people, uh, out of creative types with paltry rewards. That's miserable and pathetic. Don't do that. 
Um, what they should be doing is using their keen eyes, which I assume there's at least a couple left at the company to look around and go, hey, who is a really awesome company that uh, matches our aesthetic and our our consistencies in our games right now? Who should make a modern Metal Gear game? Who should make a modern Silent Hill game? I mean, I think everyone who listens to the show could sit down and uh, tell you right now in the comments who's 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 like you know way forward would make an awesome castlevania game mm-hmm. um yacht club would make an awesome castlevania game like there's there's a bunch of people you could pair with who could make a great horror game you know like who could make a great uh silent hill or a 3d castlevania there's all these there's all these options there and i like that so much better than just being like hey you know <laughs> i'm a i'm a big king i'm all the jesters come in and give me your best <laughs> dance routines and your jokes and i'll, I'll throw you know rupees at your feet like that sucks it sucks so much don't do that so yeah yeah i konami is they've had a really really crappy decade or so um and they've done some really really stupid stuff and they deserve to be roasted over the coals for a lot of very very bad decisions they're also responsible for some of the most legendary ips in video game history and to Mm -hmm. see those things get squandered would has and will continue to break my heart so yes take these Take these games, take these franchises and pair them with competent and excellent developers and pay them for it and give us great games. It seems pretty simple to me. Like if you can't make them yourself because you're too busy in pachinko land, (laughs) uh, you know, or screwing over your health care of your employees, then pay people to make your franchises into great modern games instead of squandering them. Simple as that. That's all. (laughs) No, yeah, I'm there with you. It's wild how for so long it has just been like they hold the keys to the kingdom of such beloved franchises and and you know like matt to your point i don't know what metal gear would look like obviously i haven't played the series much but i like i know about it in the ether and it's so to me joined with kojima i don't know what like newer games would be like without him i think they really need to kind of figure that that vision out but remakes of the games that are beloved ways of getting them off consoles like mgs4 is still just locked on the ps3 Mm -hmm. getting people access to those games and and showing them why they care about it would go a really long way and it just seems like such an easy win well well so they they did make Metal Gear without Kojima. It was called Metal Gear Survive. It was, yeah. It was not great. It was yeah. a weird, weird, not great thing. But yeah, I mean, we're in we're in this world of of what IP is king, uh, you know, and Dan Stapleton would would his his ears are burning right now. But <laughs> uh but yeah, it's true. Like they they've got such beloved things. And it's just I okay. So you know how there's rumors forever, right? And so apparently like there's bad, uh, bad, bad blood between Konami and, and Kojima when they when they parted with each other, and that's why it explains for all the all the weird shenanigans. But like, it's free real estate, right? Just bump up PT for sixty FPS, sell it for ten dollars, and that's just money, right, on the table. And it's just weird that there are these things that they're just not doing because. Or whatever reasons, you know, mm-hmm. either either there's some sort of weird legal stuff, or it really is just like pettiness. Personal, but yeah, yeah, like it's just crazy to me that we're in 2021. We're now just like we might make games again for these three pillar franchises that everybody in the industry loves. Pettiness yeah. might be a uh, a very significant fact here. Honestly, they had there was a bunch of you know outspoken, notable creators that worked on and pioneered these franchises that had fairly public breakups with konami and maybe they're just like 
angry about it and they don't want to touch these things but then these rumors start coming out and you're like well then do something please just do something yeah it's and and brian to your point like it's, it's been a decade of it, like there's just been such a long stretch of silence for so many of these these franchises as matt you were saying that pillars of the industry that pretty much everyone agrees if they made something good and new a lot of people would be happy and it's just yeah mm -hmm. it feels like such a missed opportunity so i am very cautiously hopeful for things but yeah as as you both have pointed out like there is a lot of bad blood between the creators of these franchises and the company who still controls them and so like does the company who still control them have the foresight and ability to put them in the right hands even if it's not those original creators i mean some I, some I don't know <laughs> some of the most important video game series in the history of our medium have have passed through the hands of different creators have switched genres entirely they've switched perspectives entirely sometimes unsuccessfully but many times successfully you know like i the the people working on the first Resident Evil game and the people working on the newest Resident Evil game are not the same team of people. You know, Metroid Prime was not developed by, you know, a, a team of people. They were developed by people in Austin, Texas, you know, not a team of Japanese game devs. Like there's, there's things change and things evolve. And, but the fundamentally these stories and these franchises and these games and these characters are awesome. So like, I personally, like, you know, we were talking about Bioshock before. When we finally do get that Bioshock 4 reveal, whatever, like 2K has been rumoring for years, I'm I'm open-minded about it. If it sucks, yeah. it sucks. But like, I'm down to try it. And, I'm, and, you know, Ken Levine won't be working on it. We know that. And that's okay. But it's a, because it's a cool concept. And if someone wants to take on that story and make something new with it, I'm I'm not going to just protest it just in in theory. Unless, like, it looks like, garbage and it's five hundred dollars <laughs> there's like if there's a bunch of problems about it then yeah you know screw you but i'm down to try new things based on old things that aren't being made anymore well and i think it's also something that just speaks to a general thing that i i think we try to make sure we make clear on the show obviously you know i was talking a little bit about the creators and konami having blowouts and and that causing rifts but none of these games are single developer games yeah. like these are games that especially as the series went on you know are can be made by hundreds of people and so and totally to your point brian like i am totally fine if really beloved series change hands mm -hmm. it is a, just a natural part of the way uh ip as as matt was saying D dan would hate but as ip works these days it's just it changes hands and so that's okay i just hope there makes some uh, like i just want something to be made at this point mm -hmm. yeah it is as you both were saying it's like we had such a quiet time just make these games and if they're bad they're bad but at least you tried something yeah, uh, actually, I just I want to add one quick thing, and that's just yes. because you said something uh, just now. But like, uh, to be fair, Konami did, you know, like Silent Hill changed hands, right? And yeah. uh, I think, and I think we have to kill our like on our end as as audiences and players. We also have to be willing to meet them halfway and kill our darlings, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, they made Silent Hill uh, Shattered Memories, which was made by a completely different team, not at all by the original team. And, you know, the hardcore Silent Hill fan base is like, oh, we won't touch anything that's not by Team Silent, right? But Shattered Memories is one of the best Silent Hill games I've ever played. I awesome. love that game. Uh, and it just didn't get the fair shake because there was like a really like calcified audience that really just only wanted to play this one one group and so i think you know i think maybe if they and you know obviously they've also tried with Metal Gear survive and to be those weren't great so that's yeah. kind of on them <laughs> uh but you know i i think maybe you know i could see a thinking where we we gave it a shot we gave it to external teams and just people didn't bite 
people didn't give it a shot, so why bother? You know, so I think there's For a little sure. com- there's a compromise that we can reach when. And I, you know, I think maybe it might be time, right? I think people are just at this point they're like, we'll take anything, you know, we'll we'll do whatever at this point. Like, so maybe that's maybe now is why the rumors are starting. Mm. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I was really just about to be cliched and say time heals all wounds, uh, but maybe hopefully it does when it comes to corporate IP ownership and the way those things change hands. Because man, I'd I'd love to see some new Castlevania. But uh, obviously, if and when these things happen, we will uh, be reporting on them on IGN. We'll be talking about them on the show, and I hope there are some cool surprises in store. They, they've taken their time, so let's hope they're cool. But uh, in the meantime, that that largely wraps up all the big PlayStation news for this week except for of course whatever playstation announces between when we record and and this posts but uh to move on from there let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing uh brian i do want to start with you because uh as you were mentioning this is a very busy week for releases some of those are very nintendo leaning uh but one of them is the multi-platform Far cry 6 which i know you've been playing uh, a fair bit of and wanted to hear your thoughts on it so uh let's get this out of the way real quick i love far cry I'm a huge fan of it. I have not uh, I, I've not reached I've, I've been there, but I haven't reached the level of fatigue that others have experienced with it. I'm also one of those people that um, I play one of these games every two or so years. I, I play it for like 30, 40 hours. I don't sometimes I 100 percent it. Sometimes I platinum it. Um, but they, these are really fun, giant, goofy, uh, occasionally serious sandbox games for me that I have an absolute blast playing in. Um, It's one of my favorite video game franchises ever. Just this year alone, I replayed about four or five of them. I'm working on some features about Far Cry. I I love this series, always have. I think that like it's it's absolutely been hit or miss in the past. I think that uh, five was neither too goofy nor too serious. I don't think it, I don't think it, it truly succeeded in any of the things it was accomplishing. I appreciated it for what it was trying to do. But that said, there's a lot of sort of contention around this series that people are like, it's the same thing over and over again. It's too stale. It needs to totally reinvent itself. I personally don't think that it needs a complete overhaul, but I think that Far Cry 6 is adding enough new stuff to it and trying enough new ideas while still giving me that kind of Far Cry comfort food that I appreciate the hell about uh, of, of what it's doing. I really 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 like far cry 6 i really really do um i think that it brings back a lot of the sort of like fun colorful crazy open world you know tropical nonsense of far cry 3 i think it brings some of the the, um functionalities and sensibilities that we saw in 4 and 5 that uh add a lot of really great features in terms of traversal and um sort of like diversity of uh the way you can approach uh any given objective and it's just a absolutely gorgeous game i really love uh danny rojas the new uh protagonist she's wonderful i I think it's moved away a lot from the sort of um you know early 2000s uh extreme gopro edgelord that like played the series for a really (laughs) long time it's way less x games now um it is kind of more grounded although there's still a lot of goofy nonsense you know my uh, animal companion so far in the 15 hours I played has been Guapo the uh, alligator who is a gold tooth alligator with a t-shirt that eats uh, enemies on command. Guapo is great. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's so I, so great. Um, I, not I, to I, yeah. I was going to say not to not to interrupt you, but yeah, like I, I you definitely have a way more uh, deep knowledge and love for the series than I do. I loved three, played a fair 
bit of four, but dropped off relatively quickly, played a, a decent chunk of primal, uh, dropped off a bit quickly, and then pretty, pretty quickly dropped off of five. But I'm right. I'm so far really having a lot of fun with six, and I do think a little bit of it is like I, I do play other Ubisoft open world games, and so the fatigue hasn't set in for me because I, I skipped so much of Far Cry recently. But yeah, there's like in the first couple hours, as you were saying, I have a, a friend buddy alligator who will chomp enemies on commander let me pet him i have a flamethrower a car with a massive machine gun on it and a backpack that shoots missiles like it's just silly in a in a fun way Um, yeah no that's exactly it and i think that like they so they axed the skill tree in this game which i was immediately kind of like upset about because i i love i love the kind of mild RPG elements they put in previous Far Cry games where you fill meters and all of a sudden you're like, I killed, you know, X amount of people. I can put some points into this and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it turns out that that was for the better here because this game has more sort of RPG customization than I've ever seen in a Far Cry game. And frankly, in most first person shooters and like a quick background on that. I actually, I think I really like first person shooters and I hate online multiplayer. Like, <laughs> and, and so that doesn't leave me a lot to work with um, I don't want to play Call of Duty multiplayer every year and like, you know, run around those same environments, getting kill streaks and stuff like that. Not really my thing. Don't really care. Um, but I really like the Metroid Prime games. I, I, I think that there's a lot you can do with that perspective in terms of like platforming and grappling hooks and, you know, all that fun stuff. And I love the playground element of these games. Like they they feel more first person GTA to me than they do like a you know, a first person Assassin's Creed or something like that. So while yes, they definitely have a little bit of that Ubisoft formula, I appreciate that the these games take on different settings and that this one specific specifically is letting me play with all these crazy loadouts. I can I can, you know, uh find a bunch of scraps and customize my gun and my weapons, put little perks on each one of them. I can, you know, hang weird keychains on the front of my rocket launcher. I can uh, upgrade my alligator. I can, you know, outfit my car that I can call on command with all of this crazy stuff. And I'm just having so much fun playing it. It's also a game that lets you be stealthy when you want to, which I think like another thing I really like stealthy stuff in games but i don't like games that are entirely stealth like i spent an hour and a half this morning playing this game sneaking around a compound just like you know systematically knifing people in the back of the neck and then a helicopter spotted me and started shooting missiles at my at at my pet and blew him up and i ran over to save him and then just had to pull out a rocket launcher and just go loud on everybody and it's just fun as hell man and (laughs) i think that that's just like a thing that like we kind of lose track of a lot with video games. I think that like sometimes it's just really cool when they're just really fun. Mm. And this game is really fun to me. And so I think if you're looking for like a big, old, new open world game and you don't feel completely fatigued on this series, um, then please check out Far Cry 6. Like it is it is just like just a really, really fun game. It's challenging. The world is gorgeous and massive. The new cities they added are really fun to explore. Um, the traversal and verticality and weapon options are great. You can. Uh, i don't know horses you can do all sorts of horses in this game it's just it's just a good time and that's Mm -hmm. that's what i need right now i haven't traveled at all in two years so i don't know romping around a tropical island blowing up stuff and hopping on jet skis you know uh shooting dudes in the head not like I used to shoot dudes in the head on vacation, you know, <laughs> I've said too much, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah I, I mean, I like big, big hearty two thumbs up for me on this game. I love it. I can't wait to play more and I'm happy it's here.
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And yeah, I, I've been having a lot of fun with it, too. I'm, I'm definitely much earlier on, but uh, I'm I'm very curious to see how I, I feel about it as, you know, we've talked about the Ubisoft fatigue in terms of how I feel 40 hours in. But for now, I feel like it is different enough from the fatigue I was kind of feeling with Assassin's Creed that I'm, I'm enjoying and, and want to keep going. And yeah, there's just something loud and fun about the gameplay options in it I'm, I'm not nearly enough in the story to commentate on you know how it, how it's tackling the issues that it seems to want to tackle but um at, at least on a mechanical level i'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it and yeah mm-hmm. we're really really glad to hear you have been as well um matt are you okay so you i'm fine uh my okay. the cat wants to leave the room okay uh, feel feel free to yeah, let I'm the cat quickly out. Let, her, let him out of course <laughs> uh and while he does that i'm gonna say matt loves far cry as well i don't know if that's true uh but before before we get to any games mass been playing is there anything else uh that's been nice uh anything else brian on on your uh recent like play docket that you've been enjoying um no i finished circle of the moon in the castlevania collection i moved on to harmony of dissonance which is um it comically overcompensates for how dark the first game is with just one of the most neon castlevania games in existence and because of that um the soundtrack takes a hit and it's all 8-bit because um, they put all the skill points into the graphics department. But I think <laughs> I think this, the soundtrack's awesome. I, the The game itself is kind of frustrating because it's kind of a pain in the ass to, to... There's a lot of backtracking in that game and I uncovered 50% of the map before I unlocked the double jump. So it's oh, wow. a pain. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to chip away at that and make my way to Area of Sorrow, which is just the best, my favorite 2D Castlevania game. Up there with Symphony of the Night, obviously. Um, but that's, that's going to be such a treat to get to that. Cause that's my favorite of the trilogy. So yeah, still playing that. Love them so much. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I am still on circle of the moon, but really in, enjoying that trilogy, but yeah, I'm going to find time between that far cry and just everything else. Uh, have one or two games red. How dare you? You've showed the Xbox on the trailer and now what? we look like fools. How wow. dare you? Uh, that's for the video version of the show for anyone watching. Um, anyway, Matt, I want to hear from you. What have you been playing recently that you've been enjoying? Yeah, I uh, didn't fill out this beforehand, so I realized this you. may have yeah this may have made, made it difficult for Red. I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, uh, but I've been playing Lost Judgment. You know, uh, I'm still early in. Uh, it's a long game, as the RGG Studios games are. But mm-hmm. basically, uh, here's what I'm gonna say: If you love Yakuza and do not like turn-based JRPGs and are kind of just bummed about the about the new direction, there's a perfectly good judgment right there. <laughs> like it's the exact same cockamamie you know just beat up loads of dudes with insane combos and hit him with nearby bicycles and, and <laughs> bottles and, and and traffic cones and uh beat up teenagers who are rude to you it's <laughs> it's great you could just you could just kick butt and take names and there's a there is a very serious someone died there's a murder at the at the center of the story and that's pretty dramatic and that's pretty different from uh the other stuff but if you're like <laughs> i would like to i would like to walk around this this town and, and beat up everybody who who looks at me mean you can do that it's so. it it's really funny to always hear that dissonance with these games and i played a little bit of the first judgment but want to go back to it before i jump into lost judgment um but it is that funny dissonance of like yeah there's a murder mystery at the center of it and, and there's some really serious things but the thing i keep seeing is like oh but also you can inspire kids with a dance routine at the yeah. high school that you're at uh, <laughs> yeah. for some reason and i i just love that that dissonance of the of these games it's it's great you know how you know how you see a little like that ubisoft dna right you can get a little assassin's creed in your far cry all right sega 
makes a lot of good rhythm games, right? I don't know if you've ever played the Hatsune Miku rhythm games, right? And you get a little of that in Judgment and Yakuza mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So you get a little, little sampler of, of some good stuff in there too. But yeah, uh, it's very funny to talk about that game because like one of the best opening moments of it is there are a couple of rude teenagers bullying this hapless old man, right? And they're just snot-nosed punks. And you're just like, can I beat them up? And the game is like, yeah, yeah, beat them <laughs> up, do it. Uh, and so you do. But then also the, the main central story is really just like really heavy and it touches on like, bullying and japanese culture and stuff like that and 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 real like serious issues which i'm not too far in i've read some i've read some criticisms that the game kind of drops the ball uh in this subject matter it it, it's really it's really tough to stomach at some uh, at some points but again dance contests fights beat up those bullies yeah beat up those bullies you know a lot of a lot of a lot of flavors i love that those games have um arcades in them where you can play classic sega games Mm -hmm. too that's that's such a cool touch like to what you were saying on like you know celebrating sega's legacy like they're so good at that in those games Mm -hmm. is it um matt for you are you did you, did you play like a dragon? Like, how, how do you feel? I yeah. guess about the the split between the two. I like I like them both. I thought like a dragon's great. I'm not super big into JRPGs, but I don't like hate them. And I thought like a dragon was a modern. Like, it's not too heavy, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like Persona in that same way, where it's accessible to me. Um, I'm revisiting some old things. Like, I played Final Fantasy X recently, and that's like a hardcore old school JRPG, and I could yeah. not do it. Like, it was just too old fashioned <laughs> for me. Um, so in that, so I need a little something, a little lighter, a little, a little more like ADD friendly. I feel like that's kind of weird to say, but like, I, I do have like a short attention span for this kind of stuff. And you really have to either be really into numbers, really into, into min maxing, or you don't have to be. And so like a dragon was great for me. Uh, but I also like classic Yakuza games. So I have both, I get to enjoy <laughs> both and it's great. Yeah. And I really appreciate that they, you know, were like, we we feel like we found something really cool with like a dragon and they want to keep focusing on that, but they didn't want to take away what people love about Yakuza in general. And it's like, well, we have a spin-off series that we made that was well received and kind of is a similar game. So let's just put the attention there. Mm-hmm. Um and to kind of have these two tracks going at the same time is is really interesting. Um I I really want to get into that series, but man, I just I, I look at it in the same way that people look at me when I say Kingdom Hearts, and it's like, oh, there are like twelve of them to to play through. Um, it's it yeah, it's definitely long. it's definitely daunting. I I put about twenty six hours into um, Yakuza Zero and loved it, and then it just it just kept going, and there were parts of it that kept picking up and grabbing me, but then I, ultimately I got distracted. Um, and then knowing that there were so many other games between that and uh, Like a Dragon, which I really want to play because, Matt, I'm a lot like you. I really dig, like, I, I love a lot of things about RPGs. And then there's a lot of things I don't love about RPGs. And then there's some of them that just, like, totally nail the parts that are specifically for me. Um, like the the South Park RPG I loved because it was just like, oh, you guys made, like, a weekend RPG for me, you know? Like, <laughs> it's, like, 12 hours long and it's got... It's got stats and items and, you know, uh, all that fun stuff. But also, I don't feel like I have to put 80 hours in. And then the Yakuza games are like, here's a little bit of that, but it's still going to be 80 hours. And you're like, oh, right. man, this is tough. But I yeah, I appreciate the hell out of those games. And I really, really want to get back to them. Yeah, it's it's a series that I keep saying I'll make the time for and haven't yet. And I maybe just need to bite the bullet and, and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like there are any uh, remastered trilogy of open world games coming out this fall to distract me otherwise. But uh, 
Yeah, that's basically my problem right now is I went to look back at things like I was starting Far Cry 6. I played a little bit of uh, Nickelodeon All-Stars uh, Silly Fight Buddies and uh, <laughs> was having a lot of fun with it as, as a Smash fan who kind of fell off Smash for a while. Uh, and as an old school Nickelodeon fan, it's just really fun to have SpongeBob beat up Aang and, and then April O'Neil from Ninja Turtles shows up. Uh, and then one of the Ah Real Monsters is there also to to haunt your nightmares. It's great and weird in that Reptar. fun way. And yeah. Reptar just comes yeah. in. I like I love the silliness of that, but I like I played a couple matches of that, was having a really good time, but I'm like, oh, if I don't put in 50 hours to this, I'm not gonna be good at this game to like fight on a competitive right. level whatsoever. Uh, and so when we can, definitely want to have Mitchell uh, Saltzman on the show. He is he is busy working on coverage of this game, so that's why he's not on this week. Uh, but when he can be, we'll definitely do a, a longer talk because he and I are big PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale fans too. And without that getting a sequel, this is sort of our next best hope on PlayStation at the moment. Uh, and I was having a lot of fun with that. I was dipping into Far Cry, but then I looked at, oh, I've stopped playing like 10 different games in the last two months and I just need to go back to some of them and finish them. And that is like the scary call that I have to make right now. It's like, I just don't know where to go next. And I, it's not... I've... I've said this for years, but I really wish every game had like a previously on this video game. <laughs> yep. And it was just baked in. I know that's extra development costs and, and time. But like if you go a couple months without playing a game and you come back and it, it'd be just nice to have something go, hey, you're old and dumb and tired. <laughs> here's here's where you were last. Because sometimes here's I'll just start reminder. a game. Yeah. And I'm like holding a key and I'm like, I have no yeah. idea. Where I need <laughs> I need controller refreshers. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. If, if it's like, hey, it's been like two months since you last played this. Would you like to learn how to control the game again? And I'm like, mm -hmm. like yes, please. Yeah. A, a lot of games have decent like lore backdrops that I guess mm -hmm. I can always go check in. But I, yeah, it's totally I even just going back to like Ghost of Tsushima for, for the Iki Island expansion a, a month or two ago. I was like, oh, I forget how to play this game. And I, I could not block or, or parry correctly for the first like three hours because I was just a mess of timing. But uh, mm -hmm. that would be, that would be nice to have in a season like this. Just a, here. Here's how it works again. Don't worry um but yeah there's a lot of games so please let us know what you've been playing out there please let us know uh which of the fall games we maybe haven't spent too much time on that you want to hear from uh we did get an email recently uh from someone asking for tales of Arise impressions uh which i don't think any of the three of us have started yet um so definitely want to get someone who's played tales of Arise on soon uh but yeah there's just so many big games haven't gotten the time to get to them all but we will try to cover them as well as we can uh before the year ends because we gotta vote on best ofs at some point anyway um but with that said let's move on to memory card which is of course our weekly segment where you the viewers and listeners at home write in with your sad weird happy wacky whatever memories of your gaming life uh, and we read them on the show uh one of this week's this one comes from uh kbabs uh frequent uh commenter and viewer of the show uh shout out to kbabs who wrote in with a couple memory card stories going to read one of them this week uh the first story has to do with ratchet and clank because this is me we're talking about kbabs says and for anyone who doesn't know kbabs is a huge ratchet and clank fan uh i think actually might have uh yeah worked on our guide on ign for the, the rift apart so there you go mm -hmm. uh back in 2003 i was playing my first ratchet title and managed to 100 the game this includes buying the rhino weapon which cost 150,000 bolts for, for perspective it takes about two hours to save up for the tesla claw which costs thirty thousand. i spent several afternoons and evenings replaying all the levels of the game getting the cash to buy it now at the time my sister and i had separate memory cards mine filled with jack ratchet and ssx save files and hers with kingdom hearts and singstar high scores but with her permission she allowed me to back up my ratchet save to her memory card in case something happened now here's the foolish part 
In my overconfidence, I showed her that the process worked by intentionally deleting the save on my memory card. Uh, only when I checked hers, there was nothing there. It took me a minute to realize what I'd done wrong. Instead of copying to save to my sister's memory card, I'd copied the save onto the one it was already on, overwriting itself. And so it just deleted it. Oh. And that's how, I, that's how I learned that money grinding exploits exist in games. But in case you thought that got me down, I've since 100%ed Ratchet & Clank 1 again, not just on PS2, but also the HD port on PS3, and the port of that on Vita as well. Uh, which is which is quite commitment uh and i do like the idea that like oh i burned myself once but i'm never gonna burn again <laughs> i'm gonna make sure i get this back but uh uh Babs, thank you for the memory card related memory card uh I appreciate that and uh thank you to everyone who's been writing in uh with those if you would like to send yours in you can write into beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card so i can easily find them and we'll uh, read them on the show each week uh but that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of beyond before we go brian anything you want to point people toward that you've been working on recently or shout out no no i so much but nothing <laughs> at the same time i can't i'm yeah i don't, absolutely do not know right now. a enough. lot a lot don't worry about it yes you've been very busy so <laughs> don't worry about it at all uh but matt anything on on your end that you want to point people to well. Yeah, I actually think I'm allowed to, to share this, but I am working on the preview of the next Final Fantasy XIV expansion, Endwalker. Nice. Uh, which will be out uh, I don't next week, I think, uh, sometime. Awesome. And so look out for that. And I'd love to come back and talk about that because that is a PlayStation-focused title. that I would It is. Console exclusive. Uh, so yeah, so I'm working on that right now. Uh, I, I think if you play Final Fantasy XIV, you're going to be very excited. Awesome. Uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Uh, and yeah, definitely want to have you back on soon for that as well. And uh, yeah, uh, just on my end, uh, as we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, uh, all the content's out, but go check out all the incredible work that went into IGN 25th anniversary stuff. Uh, and one of the final pieces we put up was uh, my art of the level on The Last of Us Part Two's Rat King boss fight. Uh, really, really awesome uh, project to be able to work on. A uh, huge thank you again to all of the Naughty Dog team that spoke with me. I spoke to six people on the team uh, across a bunch just sort of disciplines there about the creation of, of this boss fight. It's a lot of really cool insight from them. Uh, Pat Coughlin on our, our video team just did a tremendous edit of it. Go check it out. It's on IGN. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's a long watch, but I think it's a really fun one, and I hope you enjoy it. But awesome uh, that's piece. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Beyond. Thank you, Brian and Matt, for joining me on this week's episode. Thank you to Red, our producer, for making this show happen. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.